This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And this is when Joshua the high priest hears the most wonderful words that he could hear in verse 2. When he hears the Lord, Say to Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Those are the most wonderful words that could be said in our defense. When we're accused of what we know we're guilty, when we hear that the judge is our friend, he is our friend. I remember one time when, when Ellie Maxwell, who founded Prairie Bible Institute up in, in Canada, and a person came to him and said just horrible things to his face, accused him of terrible things, and Ellie Maxwell just responded, and he said, he said, rather than to fight back, Ellie Maxwell just said to that man, I want you to know that right in between you and me right now is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you said to me, you just said to him. It's wonderful to rest in that. We have an advocate. We have a person fighting for us. And so Joshua the high priest was very wise to just, to just wait, and God rebuked the devil and his rebuke was, in verse 2, the Lord hath chosen, the Lord hath chosen Jerusalem. Satan was not just accusing Joshua the high priest. Joshua was the high priest. He was accusing Israel. He was accusing the Jewish people. He had his gun set for higher marks than just one man, Joshua the high priest. He was accusing the Jews. And that's why the response was so significant when it says, the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem, rebuke thee, rebuke thee. The Lord chose in Romans 9, 16. Romans 9, 16, it speaks about this choice that God made of Israel. Romans 9, 16, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. The Jews will be saved, not because of the Jews, not of him that runneth. The Jews will be saved because not because of us, not because of us, not of him that willeth. The Jews will be saved only because of God. 
but of because of God who showeth mercy. And there's only one reason why one day when all the Jewish people that are alive at that time, when the after two-thirds of them are, don't survive, at that time, there's only one reason why all of them will be saved at that time, and it's because of God. It's because of God. The Jews that will be saved will not be because of these people who are going around starting Monday to visit all the Jews that they can distribute gospel literature. It's going to be because of God who chose them. And they're the instruments, they're the instruments that God prayerfully is going to use to bring, make that happen. And so the question is, with all the sin that Israel went into, the idolatry, we're in the middle of it here in the book of Zechariah, and the turning over of their Messiah to the Romans to kill him, would God still have chosen them if he knew all of that? If he knew the worst of them, would he have chosen them? Just like the question, if he knew the worst of you, of everything that you would do in your life, will he still have chosen you? And it says in Romans 11.1, 1, Romans 11.1, 1, I say then, has God cast away his people? God forbid. I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people. And here come the words which he foreknew. He did not cast away his people, which he foreknew. God saw the whole history of the Jews before he chose them. He saw it all. He saw that his blood be upon us and on our children. He saw the, let him be crucified. He saw the, we want Barabbas, not the, he saw it all. He saw the golden calf. He saw everything about them. That was what's meant by which he foreknew, which he foreknew. He knew, God knew what he was getting into when he chose Jerusalem, when he chose the Jewish people. God knew what he was getting into when he chose you. And knowing all that, God stands by his choice. And that's the beauty of what it says here. The Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke you, O Satan. He knew the worst of them when he chose them, and he still stood by to choose. And then Joshua hears how God refers to him. He says to Satan, this man you're accusing here, Joshua high priest, this nation of Israel, the Jewish people who he represents, who are standing behind him, who you are accusing, he said, is not this, in verse two, is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? That's a description of every saved person. Every saved person who's going right down the middle of the road to hell and God reaches down and saves that person from hell. He's a brand plucked out of the fire. You know, a brand plucked out of the fire is not a very praiseworthy thing, a brand plucked out of the fire. To be a brand plucked out of the fire does not mean that the brand should be praised, but it means that the one who plucked them out of the fire should be praised. Because a brand plucked out of the fire is covered with soot and it's covered smoky and it's dirty and it's got the smell of smoke on it. And that's how Joshua the high priest was and represented Jerusalem, represented the Jewish people, all dirty, all filthy. Joshua the high priest became, the point is, he became cleansed. He got, a, he got a change of clothing. He was set apart like every saved person is. Every saved person. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, 
nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God, of our God. You were a brand plucked out of the fire. We were in ourselves, Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah 64, 6, that's how we were. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. That's us. That's us. But now there is a washing. There is a justification. There is a sanctification, like Joshua, the high priest we see here. But in and of himself, Joshua was in a state of verse 3, verse 3. Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. Filthy garments. Those would be the filthy garments that make a people feel guilty. Those would be the filthy garments that make a person feel dirty inside. And those two problems of being guilty for sins committed, of feeling dirty inside, are the very two problems that the Lord Jesus came to take away, the guilt and the defilement. And all we have to do now, confess our sins to the Lord Jesus and then be finished with the guilt, with the defilement. That's all we've got to do. 1 John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We do not have a righteousness in ourselves. All of our righteousnesses, the best we can do is described as nothing better than filthy rags. But thank God, thank God how he has made the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ to become our righteousness, chashab, such a beautiful word that it means weaving. It's the word that was used for Betzalel and Aholiab when they made the curtain for the tabernacle, beautiful curtains on Egyptian white linen, and the cherubs that were built, put in there, the blue, the purple, and the scarlet. And it says, they hashabed, they wove them in, so that when you looked at those curtains, they were just a part of the curtains. They woven in the tapestry, woven in of the cherubims. They were just a part of the curtain. And that's the word that God used when he said about Abraham in Genesis 15. He says, God imputed unto him righteousness. He believed God, Abraham believed God, and God imputed to him righteousness. He hashabed. God hashabed. He wove the righteousness of Jehovah Jesus into the fabric of Abraham's soul. And this is what God does for us. He said in 1 Corinthians 1.30, 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. That verse is saying that God takes us when we come to Christ and he weaves into the fabric of our soul. Christ has made unto us righteousness and sanctification. After King David, after he sinned horrible sins in his affair with, um, with Bathsheba and his murder of her husband, and he knew he needed to be cleansed from his sin, he knew who to turn to when he needed this cleansing. And he says in Psalm 51 two, Psalm 51 two, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. As a matter of fact, that's what makes a person a child of God. When God does those two things for the person, saves them from his sins, 
cleanses us from his sins. That's what makes a person a child of God. And that's what makes a person a child of God. And that's what makes God his God. And this is why I said, Ezekiel 37, 23. Ezekiel 37, 23. Neither shall they defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned, and I will cleanse them so that they shall be my people and I will be their God. And this is what Israel has not known ever since they turned their Messiah over to the Romans to destroy him. But the day of reversal is fast coming, and that reversal will mean that a fountain will be open to them, which right now they have made it closed to themselves. But it's gonna, it says in Zechariah 13.1, Zechariah 13.1, in that day shall there be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Just like the hymn says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that blood lose all their guilty stains. That fountain is from the old rugged cross, a fountain that was open to the Gentiles 2,000 years ago. That fountain was closed because they closed it themselves to the Jewish people, but it's going to be open for the most part for the Jews, and it'll be for them as it has been for the Gentiles for 2,000 years, that Zechariah 13 one fountain open for sin and uncleanness. Now, the next wonderful command that Joshua the high priest hears is in verse four, which is take away the filthy garments from him. God couldn't stand to look at it any longer. He says, get rid of them. And just think of Joshua. He's standing there in clothes that he knows are filthy in God's sight. But what's Joshua gonna do? He doesn't have any other clothes to put on. He doesn't have anything else to put on. He knew that the high priest was to be clothed in clean clothes. That was an imperative that Moses had to make for the priest clean clothes in Exodus 28.2. Exodus 28.2, thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. Exodus 28.42, Exodus 28.42, thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from their loins, even unto their thighs shall they reach. And the priests were commanded in Isaiah 52, 11, Isaiah 52, 11, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. So what's he supposed to do? What's Joshua, the high priest, supposed to do? He's clothed in filthy garments, but how happy he is when he hears God say, get rid of those filthy garments. Take those, he told an angel, take those filthy garments away and off of him. They should be taken from him just like with Adam and Eve after they sinned and they clothed themselves in fig leaves. And God looked at those fig leaves and said, get rid of those fig leaves. Get rid of those fig leaves. As it says in Genesis 3, 7, Genesis 3, 7, the eyes of them were both open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. In Genesis 3, 21, Genesis 3, 21, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. So instead of those filthy garments of those personal sins, God says in verse four of Zechariah 3, 4, Zechariah 3, 4, 
Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. Just as they were taken, just as those filthy garments were passed from Joshua. Oh, so glad to be rid of those. He says in verse 4 of Zechariah 3, Zechariah 3, 4, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with the change of raiment. I'm not going to leave you there naked. God said, I have caused that iniquity to pass from thee. Such a statement, such a statement of God's personal involvement. He didn't say, I assign this angel that this person's iniquity should pass from him. That was the first description of the Lord Jesus by John the Baptist. John the Baptist in John 129, John 129. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He takes away the sin of the world. An angel didn't take away the sin of the world. The Lord Jesus takes it away, passes it from, pass those filthy garments off of you. The Lord Jesus is the Lamb of God, and he himself personally takes on, takes away the sin of the world. He takes away the sin of the world. Just like in John 1.29, when John the Baptist saw him, in essence, John the Baptist was saying, there he is. There he is. He's the Lamb of God himself. He alone is going to take away the sin of the world all by himself, personally. He's going to remove the sin of the world, going to remove the sin from you. He's going to take it away personally. And this is the spirit of what uh, Jehovah Jesus is saying here in Zechariah 3, 4, in verse 4, Zechariah 3, 4. Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee personally, intimately. This is what it means in Revelation 1, 5, Revelation 1, 5, where it says, Jesus Christ, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins, in his own blood. Washed us from our sins in his own blood. How personal. His own blood. How intimate. His own blood. Hosea 13, 14. Hosea 13, 14 says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. All those I wills, four of them in that Hosea 13, 14. And not once is the, the he will, not once, but it's all I will ransom, I will redeem, I will be the plague of death, I will be the destruction of the grave. Isaiah 25, 8, Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death in victory. That's pretty close. Swallow? Not taste, he did taste death for every man, but he's going to swallow up death. He tastes it in his mouth, and then it keeps going, and he swallows it. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. Isaiah 25, 8. Isaiah 25, 8. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off of the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. The Lord himself will taste him, and he'll swallow up death in victory. And it was hard. It was hard for him to take that cup and taste it and swallow it. As he said in Matthew 26, 39, Matthew 26, 39, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy wilt. Death was in that cup. That was death. And he tasted it. And then he kept on 
He kept on in his mouth till he drank it all up. He swallowed up death and victory, Isaiah 25a. He himself, therefore, he's going to wipe tears away from all faces. That's why he did it. He, he's not going to say to an angel, get a Kleenex and clean up the, the tears. He himself is going to wipe away the tears. He himself is going to take the rebukes just like he did in this chapter we're in with Joshua, the high priest. Because it says in Hebrews 2.14, Hebrews 2.14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. There's all these personal statements, all these intimate statements. He himself, partaker of flesh and blood, he might destroy the devil, he might deliver them. He speaks in, in Isaiah 43, 25, Isaiah 43, 25, and he says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. It's another statement of personal, intimate involvement. He says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. It's like people were saying, who, even who? And he says, I, even I. And we can see him just taking this joy himself as he blots out transgressions. He erases it from those books of the works that are used in judgment. And we're going to talk about Revelation 20. So that when a saved person comes to that final judgment and the books are open to see his sins, all they can see is eraser marks. That's all they see. That's all been blotted out. Or maybe there's just a little bit of blood there. It's the blood of Christ that's used to, to erase and remove all those sins. And the way this verse reads, it says in verse 4, Zechariah 3, 4, verse 4, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. Pass from thee, not just pass away from thee, not just that sins are just removed, but specifically they are passed from thee. And that raises the next question, pass from thee to where? Pass from thee to who? And the answer to that question is Isaiah 53, 4. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely, just picture the sins being passed. They passed from him. And where are they going to? Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. As just the, the inputs it so well. And all our sins, and all our sins, and all our sins were laid on him. All our iniquities were passed from us unto him. That's how he bore them. That's how he was judged for them. It was all instead of us, instead of us. He was the instead of Savior, instead of us, Savior. And Genesis 22.13 is where that, that concept was first introduced in Genesis 22.13. Abraham has taken his son, has taken his son on a three-day journey, taken his son on a three-day journey with a broken heart, knowing all along his son is the sacrifice. The son goes along until he realizes halfway up the hill of Moriah, he says, here's the fire, Father. Isaac says to Isaac, Abraham's son says to Abraham, the father, father, here's the fire. Here's the wood. Here's the knife. Are we missing something? Did you forget the lamb? Where's the lamb, father? 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.